the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. You know, uh, let's get started with a couple of quotes. Uh, uh, We always like to be positive on the show. So, the best way to predict the future is to create it. I think that's Peter Drucker, the management specialist. Rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one, Warren Buffett. Change before you have to, (laughs) Jack Welch. And your most unhappy customers are your greatest source of learning. That's Bill Gates. There's only one boss, the customer, Zig Ziglar. (laughs) All right. So, uh, you know, we always refer you to our uh, uh, webpage, which is WHK1420. You go to their uh, webpage and go down to the pre-recorded stuff, the local pre-recorded, all the way down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, and all that good stuff. And you go over to my webpage uh, directly from there. It's not hard. And then uh, on my webpage, there's a couple things. You know, you have bulletin board where Bob Dickey is, our head technician. And, you know, sometimes it's better to see things uh, because the market's, you know, the market's a huge thing. It's billions and trillions of dollars. And, and in order to see what's happening, sometimes it's better. There's also a weekly newsletter there, by the way. And then if you go to Insights, we have stuff like this week is Big Tech, uh, the Outlook for Gold, which we're going to talk about today, the China-U.S. Uh, problems, and uh, digital pain and implications of uh, some tighter uh, policies and cloud computing, things you don't know about. And, and if you'd like any of the information, you know, we always talk about the prime income list and the, digit, uh, the dividend growth portfolio. You know, if you'd like that information or our, you know, one of the things I haven't talked about and I use all the time, and I apologize, is our multi-cap portfolio. So it's large cap, mid caps, and small caps. Uh, they've hit some home runs in there, right? So if you'd like any of those, I'll, you know, especially in Insights, there's all sorts of contact me and email me. Or has my telephone call. Call me. <laughs> what a novel concept these days. All right. So uh, anyway, you know, uh, just to, let's, let's talk about a few things first. The FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center found that 2019 year saw both the, the highest number of complaints and the highest number of dollars losses reported since cybercrime statistics were documented back in 2000. Uh, the FBI logged a total of four four hundred and sixty-seven thousand three hundred sixty-one complaints in the U.S. That's an average of thirteen hundred per day uh, since 2000. There's been four point nine million complaints, and they they state that about three point five billion has been lost during the calendar last calendar year. Cybercrime's real, folks. So go to my webpage. There's some good hints on you know what to do. Okay, so we'll just leave it at that. So far this year, the U.S. has listed. U.S. listed biotech companies have raised roughly $9.4 billion in initial public offerings. By the way, there was five biotech deals last week. This year's biotech issues have jumped an average of 34% on the first day of trading. Not bad, huh? Spending on influencer marketing will reach $9.7 billion in 2020. 66% of the marketers plan to boost their influencer budgets. That's kind of interesting when you think about it, you know? Uh, so we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, a couple things, right? You know, we, we've been talking about, as you know, Lori Calvacina, uh, Calvacina, I'll get her name right, is, is, uh, having a baby. So we wish her well. And, uh, what I thought we'd do is we talk a little bit about, uh, we'll get another strategist, uh, Tom Lee. You know, we do get fun stretch research, and that's good research, by the way. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's been talking about all eyes are on Washington and, and, and as Tom Block notes, uh, who works for Funstrat, 
the ball is in Pelosi, uh, Pelosi's court, and uh, which, if you're a Republican, may drive you crazy. But uh, virus relief deadlock, uh, government funding must do. Uh, look, last week the Senate failed to pass the Republican so-called skinny bill for $300 million. Uh, the House bill is $3 trillion. Uh, House now offers $2.2 trillion. Uh, and only a bill Republicans could pass was about $500 billion. So I don't know. So the ball's in, in Pelosi's court. We'll see what happens. But as the Washington Post article notes, Pelosi is pushing to get a bill passed and announced that the House would remain in session until a new agreement is struck. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, it said frustrated House Democrats pushed for new action on an economic relief bill. And I, I, I think the Republicans are equally frustrated. So we'll see what happens. But um Look, U.S. daily cases were up 34,000 last week, and that's plus about 11,000 versus seven days ago. Uh, 11,000 percent, by the way, versus uh, 11,700 versus seven days ago. So is this a, a new wave or is it a payback due to some Labor Day weekend data? And that's the big question, because if we start getting COVID cases go back up, uh, you know, this, this theory on epicenter stocks won't go away, but they're starting to work. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And I don't know which of the above explanations is correct, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to find out uh, and, and the hard way, I guess. So, you know, we'll just talk about that a little bit. But remember, what, what Tom Lee's talking about is the epicenter stocks. And we're starting, those are the value stocks that we talked about. You know, value versus growth. Value is way, 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 way above uh, what's going on. So, you know, he also talked about malls, and, and malls have some improved cash flow. and. Uh, our surveys show that the consumer's shopping again. So, I mean, if you look, uh, I looked at a couple of uh, a different mall-type, you know, re- real estate investor trusts, uh, and, you know, uh, some of them, Tanger, went from, you know, five to six and a half, all right? So uh, so we're starting to see some of the what we call the epicenter-type stocks start to be something to pay very close attention to, okay? Um. So anyway, I, I think you know, uh, I got a question last week, and what am I looking at at Epicenter? I'm looking at malls. I'm looking at real estate investment trusts for, you know, uh, that type of thing. I'm looking at Vegas. I'm looking at the airlines. I'm looking at uh, the cruise lines. I'm looking at the ride-sharing people, okay? And that is fact, one of our best analysts, top pick is in the ride-sharing area. So, uh, so the the good thing, I think, uh, the third point I think Tom was making was the testing adequacy by states. Ten states need increased testing. Uh, you know, so if we get that done, I think that'd be real, real, real important. So, um, you know, that's that's probably, you know, uh, all we need to talk about. Well, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I think that's all we need to talk about with Tom. So we'll, we'll just take it from there. Um, now, a couple other things. Uh, you know, we had uh, uh, some some virtual conferences this week. And one of the conferences that I really thought, you know, I talked to, I've been talking about the industrials improving on the charts and the macro feeling is the, the effects of COVID, but most end markets are seeing signs of sequential improvement. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I think, you know, the improvements to the point where you got to pay very close attention and nine of, of our 19 participating companies presented, uh, they, they presented, you know, positive cash flow. Okay, so um, that's a big. That's big, as far as I'm concerned. And I think the key themes uh, from the nine presenting multi-industry companies are number one. Day one is there's a broad takeaway that there's a course of companies presenting. We're seeing uh, sequential monthly strengthening in most end markets, big time. That, that also supports our sector call that we continue to see uh, a cyclical rally which is meaningful new data points because there's non-residential construction appears to be holding up fairly well. I mean, you should see the price of lumber straight up, okay? We talked about commodities a couple weeks ago, and uh, the gold would lead, right? So now we have, you know, PVC pricing, and we also have lumber. Uh, and the vertical uh, may not be facing their pocket, but it's, if demand wants to, the current profits roll off, will be interesting. So uh, the COVID is very new business opportunities, including healthy buildings. So that's a big plus for the HABC uh, heating, ventilating, and air conditioning business. And also, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies in that area. So, um, 
anyway, I, I thought that was a, a very interesting uh, scenario. So, um, okay, so I, I talked with Max last week, and uh, Max uh, asked me, he says, Tim, what do I do for fixed income? And, look, I think you have to be careful. But I would say, uh, you know, the Fed's looking to increase inflation, which is, you know, below zero at this point, to a net positive. And that will probably be a positive for preferred stocks. And preferreds continue to lag the broader market yet rallies here to date. So that's uh, simply due to the start date of preferreds who are the top performer in 2019, which we talked about. And since the lows in March, during the peak fears, dividends might be at risk. The sector is up nearly 50%. So relative value remains attractive, and I think that's important. And um, the implications of the Fed strategy shift, that, you know, the first point of the Fed shift is to average inflation targeting, is that it only means that the policy rates are likely to remain at zero for even longer. So, uh, you know, if you need income, uh, we've got the best ideas list on, on treasuries, and I kind of highly recommend that, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Now, the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting is we had uh, um, a good piece that we put out, which if you'd like, uh, you know, Scott Sicarelli is our guy on, on the retail line, but he called it hard line versus broad line. He said the 2019 trends and the coming demand shock. So he talked about 2019 was generally ca- characterized by strong economic growth and low unemployment. And, uh, you know, those general trends rolled into 2012 until late February, obviously. And, and the stimulus gave uh, that Congress passed gave retail lift. So the actions by the Fed and the initial disbursement of government stimulus helped kickstart the consumer spending in mid-April. However, sales trends remain strong, continue to improve, even as the stimulus spending should have started to fade, which is very interesting. So we, we attribute this phenomenon to what we have uh, termed the retail lift. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that is uh, really interesting. <laughs> so essentially, the retail lift is the material shift in spending from several large decimated categories like travel, entertainment, sporting, and bar, restaurant, epicenter stocks, okay? Uh, and, and so what we're seeing is these guys are starting to pay very close attention. Uh, you're starting to see money float back into that part of the economy. So unfortunately, the big will probably get bigger and the stronger for longer. Uh, so from valuation uh, perspectives, you're probably going to see the bigger names have higher valuations. Uh, we expect many of today's consumer behaviors, you know, less spending on travel, more spending on, on uh, recently winning categories, though, that type of thing, to be, uh, to be very strong. So we have a couple favorites. I can't give you those names over the air, but I would highly recommend that you take a look at some of the, uh, uh, you know, the names that we're talking about here, uh, because I, I think there's, there's uh, well, let's put it this way. Uh, if, if I were you, I'd be looking at the epicenter stocks, because I think that's where the big money is. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Once again, if you hear anything on this show you, you like, uh, you know, I would highly recommend you go to my webpage. Uh, I look under bulletin board. There's some good stuff there. Bob Dickey, our head technician, sometimes seeing things is better. And then insights. There's a lot of good information there. Now, we've been talking about gold now for about, um, about a year and a half. And, uh, I'm up a lot on gold and I bought some more in the spring uh, and I'm up, up on that too. But I, I just want to be talking about this, uh, it's been an area of strength, and, and a lot of people have flocked to it uh, in anticipation of inflation. And I said, you know, gold would lead. And as an asset class, gold has had a strong average score of like 4.5 on our friends Dorsey Wright's uh, 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 program. So one of the most popular vehicles to, to, expect, to uh, gain exposure to gold is the GLD, which, uh, you know, if, if you look at it, has uh, done extremely well, uh, you know, has a fund score of 3.74, which is great. Uh, it currently has a score direction, though, of a negative 1.64, which uh, signifies some softness over the past few months. And what I said 
a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago, I said too many people are talking about gold. That's not when things go up. When things go up is when people, when people start talking about things, that's when you should be changing direction, okay? Now, GLD has formed a triple bottom, which, which would break uh, with a move to 180. It's at 184 right now, so not to p- panic yet, but, uh, you know, if, it needs to hold there. I think because the the next support's like at 158, so it's way down there. So be careful with your gold stocks. If it breaks 180, be careful. Now, if it broke 180 and went to let's say 178 or 176, and then reversed up violently right after that, that'd be a shakeout pattern, and that'd be very very positive. Uh, but I wanted to make sure everybody you know was uh, on the same wavelength as that we were because uh, you know it's important uh, you know to be uh, you know when some, when you have something like gold. Uh, I think you have to be, you know, paying very close attention, okay, simply because of the fact that commodities can really rock and roll back and forth. Look, it's been a great investment. I'm not saying sell it, but just watch that 180 level, okay? Now, um, look, there's some short-term lows developed last week, and uh, I think option expiration was, you know, which is coming up very quickly, is, is part of the problem. And Look, there was huge volume in options in August, huge, uh, stuff I haven't seen before. And I don't know if this is the, the guys from, you know, everybody sitting, taking their unemployment checks and, and gambling on the market. Uh, but some of the short-term indicators are oversold in the beginning to bottom as, as uh, some of the U.S. equities are starting to head back up. You know, and the bullish percent turned down, and when it turns down, usually it's like a, it's like a big old aircraft carrier it takes a little bit to go the other direction. So you, you, you turn, then you turn back, and then you turn. So we'll see if it holds here. We'll see if it turns back up. But some of the weekly indicators uh, are unwinding from an overbought level, and, and they probably won't likely bottom until mid-fourth quarter. So, you know, I think a bounce appears uh, likely, uh, you know, but how for how long? What's important if you're a Republican is that October's a positive month. I'll just say that. One of the things I'm also seeing is the VIX. Uh, and by the way, the, I'm looking at the weekly quadrant balance momentum uh, thing, which Rob Schleimer uses at Fundstrat. And uh, Fundstrat's good information if you get the opportunity. But look, uh, one of the things uh, I've, I've noticed with, head, uh, uh, with the VIX is that there was a hedge fund manager who made an observation about future op- uh, volatility, and he said that the March 2020 VIX contract reflects you know, a derivatives trading caution. And it was very similar to 2012. And, uh, you know, so a fall below recent levels of 26, 20, 27 would be a really bullish sign for the equity market. So we'll, we'll, we'll watch that very closely. Uh, now, the VXN, which spiked up very quickly, uh, remember the VIX was not going down as the market was going up, which is, us- which is very unusual. So we had a spike up. So it's, it's settled back down. Now, the question is, Will there be another spike up? And, uh, you know, I think a lot of these, you know, the big QQQ stocks are way overvalued right now, way, way overdone. Now, if you look at the Russell 2000, which is the small cap stocks, uh, they're, they're bottoming at their first support, but right around the 200-day moving average. Uh, and one thing I like is they have improving relative performance compared to the S&P 500. And, uh, you know, that's what everybody's trying to beat, right? Now, the other thing I noticed, if I looked at high beta versus large cap growth, uh, high beta is in the very early stages turning back up versus growth. Now, that'd be the smaller stocks, you know, the really high beta stocks. Uh, but And high beta versus bonds is still moving up nicely. So high beta is coming back. You know, that's the small cap stocks that we haven't talked about in a long, long time. Now, I looked at two groups, and the long-term leadership is still intact. That's tech and growth. All right, but I'm I'm seeing durables, transports, and materials are in the early stages of an uptrend. And by the way, Bob Slimer said the same thing this week. Uh, so he he's, uh, you know, I think he's right. Now, Bob also talked about the same thing that Tom Lee talked about, and that is stuff like hotels, casinos, cruise lines, resorts, industrials. Some financials are starting to get better, uh, and probably will stay better for some time. So. It's something to think about. Now, he also had numerous stocks to look at uh, that I think are kind of interesting. And, uh, but he talked about some of the big growth stocks first. And he said, look, 
they're short-term oversold. They're going to bounce. And, and how they react after that is very, very important. So, uh, you know, the, the problem is, is most of their support levels are way below where they are. So we're talking about a lot of FANG stocks, okay? So that's something you have to pay attention to. And uh, let's just say this, you know, a lot of these things could go sideways for three or four years and just finally get to be, you know, uh, back to normal. Uh, but the other area he highlighted was uh, the chemical group. And I think the chemical group is something that uh, one has to pay, you know, pretty close attention to because uh, there's more and more of these things starting to break out. And uh, I think, uh, you know, if I were a betting man, I would be, you know, kind of betting on, uh, you know, some of these, you know, big cap uh and I got a whole bunch of names, by the way, um, but a lot, of, a lot of these big big cap chemical companies are starting to look fairly good, as did some of the, um, uh, you know, material names. Uh, material names are looking really quite good at this point, too. So it, it, it's a, we're seeing more and more groups start to participate. Uh, but, you know, then again, I'm, I'm starting to see some of the hotel companies break out and, and uh, some select financials. So, you know, the more I look at this stuff, the, the more I'm impressed. I'm also seeing a couple things. Some of the, the uh, medical equipment companies are starting to break out, uh, some of the bigger names. And some of the smaller names are starting to follow. And then, you know, we had five deals in the biotech field. And I'm starting to see some of the mid-cap and small-cap biotech stocks start to do uh, a lot better. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But, look, I, uh, if, if you look at the, the QQQs, they're still way, 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 way overvalued. So or, or have made just too big a move is what it came down to, I think. And, and I think part of that, you know, is the Tesla and Apple move. Uh, but, look, there could be some more corrective activity ahead. And I think you've got to understand that. And uh, the bullish percent did turn down. It always turns back up. You know, uh, there's always a, a bull move right afterwards. But, I, you know, I, I looked at a few things and, and like I was looking at the, uh, the VXN, which is the volatility index of the NASDAQ composite. And it really, it, it hit the high, pretty high number, like 40. And then it's backed off. Uh, but it did break its uptrend line, you know, so eh, you want to be careful, you know, uh, when you break an uptrend line, usually there's more to come, all right? And uh, the Dow's a little bit different. Uh, the diffusion index is a little bit overbought. Uh, but, I, I, you know, the NASDAQ composite has broken its uptrend line. Now, it'll probably rally back up to it, and we'll see what happens. It's getting close there now. Uh, but we've got to see what happens coming up here. Um, and I, I think that's, that's important now. One of the things that I think is important, I think, is that I think there's a rotation occurring. Uh, you know, and I mentioned this last week, the semiconductors uh, have made a little bit of a lower high. They got a lot of support down a little bit below here. I'm not saying they're going to zero or anything like that. I just think that they they need to correct. They're up a lot. Uh, so, I'm, I'm, But I am seeing uh, a rotation into other ideas, okay? So, um, you know, uh, our... You know, where are we going? What do we do? Now, look, I think one of the things that I would be really paying really close attention to is using some high-yield stocks. I've been seeing more and more of these stocks start to do better, okay? And with, with the NASDAQ composite and the QQQ, the relative strength indicator is negative. So, you know, there, should, there could be some more, you know, downside. I've been seeing a lot of the names on our prime income list and our dividend growth portfolio looking better and better every day. So, those are names that uh, uh, are interesting. And I will also say this. I'm seeing things that, you know, remember I, I said two weeks ago that REITs, you know, that the, you buy yield when it's up. Well, they're, they're down. So their yield is up. And they're starting to pick up again. All right? So uh, the activity is there. So I, I would suggest that, you know, for those of you guys looking for, for income, uh, the, the dividend growth portfolio, but the prime income list, has a lot of these REIT names on it. And some of them are, you know, technology REITs, you know, like antennas and, and server farms and things like that. But, you know, so I, I do think, you're, you know, like I, I've seen a couple of REITs that are in shopping centers. 
I've seen them in, in some of the housing markets, the, the uh, individual housing market. They're starting to pick up. So, you know, high yield is a good place to be. You know, dividend stocks, dividend support stocks, all right? So dividend stocks right now might be a good place to be. I don't think, you know, somebody asked me, uh, uh, Shane asked me uh, on Tuesday, sent me an email, said, Tim, should I get back into the FANG stocks? I don't think you have to be the first one there because, look, if, if, if it's a, just a correction, they'll rally up to a new high, you know, you've missed a 10% move. Uh, but if they make a lower high, you know, you don't want to be in stocks when supply comes in at a lower level. Remember, we talked about that uh, back in, uh, oh boy, I think it was like 2010 or 11, maybe 13, when oil made a lower high. Oil hasn't been heard of since. So, you know, be careful out there chasing, you know, names that have just corrected a little bit. What you want to be looking for is stocks with long bases that are starting to break out. Much more appropriate uh, thing for those who are retired. Uh, and just if you want to get the beginning of the move, plus the dividend makes it important. So, like I said, the NASDAQ corrected. I don't know if the correction's over. It's fairly over, you know, extended at this point. Be careful. We'll be right back with the bullish percent. Stay tuned. Uh, okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And like I said, uh, if you want any of the stuff I just talked about, um, you know, go to uh, WHK1420 AM, uh, the webpage. And go to local podcasts down to the Smart Investor Show and Tim Hayes, and uh, there I am. Um, so I, I was I was watching, you know, and I mentioned chemical stocks in the last segment, and I want to mention something that our friends at Dorsey Wright uh, tend to, you know, show stocks that they like from time to time. And and you know, I noticed four of their last, you know, uh, well, four of their last fifteen stocks were on the chemical area. Isn't that interesting? So, and by, and by the way, eight of their stocks, eight of the last 50 stocks were Mark Mahaney stocks, <laughs> who's, who's our, probably one of our top analysts. So, uh, you know, the last three sessions uh, resulted in some steep losses for the, for the index, and now we've rallied back up. I mean, we were down like 6, 6, uh, six 7% in the S&P 500, and the, and the Dow had a loss of 5.5%. The NASDAQ was down 10 So. The fact that there's a rally this week, you know, isn't unusual. Now, is this the fastest correction in history? Eh, sometimes. You know, you don't know. But uh, the bullish percent still in the column of bulls, so we'll, let's talk about that. The bullish percent is is simply uh, was designed by uh, protege of Charles Dow to measure the risk level. Okay? And what he wanted to do was when, everybody, when everything was washed out, he wanted to step in and buy March 23rd, we, you know, we said the bullish percent got down to four, lowest level I've ever seen. I knew it was time to buy. I had people selling. I had people calling me and hanging up and sell everything, hang up. So I couldn't, I, and then they wouldn't pick up the phone. So I had to take the order, which I, you know, I didn't want to, by the way, but that's the way it is. So the bullish percent, it goes from zero to 100, and a column of O's where a defensive team is on the field. Okay, now you don't have to sell everything. Okay, you just got to be more you know, aware of what's going on in the world, okay? Problem with X's, we have the offensive team on the field. We have two big dividers there. Number one, 70 is the red-hot zone. That's where everything's cooking, everybody's, hey, my portfolio is great shape. In the O's, in the column of O's, you know, you got to worry when that happens. 30 is the green zone, okay? And that's when everybody's, you know, bummed out about the stock market, doesn't want to talk about it, you know, that type of thing. Don't open your 401k. Uh, I don't I don't get calls for the local cocktail party or anything like that. Anyway, the point is, is that that's the best time to buy. So when everybody else is scared, you should be greedy. When everybody else is greedy, you should be scared. So right now we're in a column of O's. We're at 61%. Uh, we were actually 62%. We're up half a percent this week, but we're still in a column of O's. We wouldn't turn around to 68, so I don't think that's going to happen personally. The over-the-counter index was up 1.5% to uh, 47, 48, and, uh, but it has to hit 54. 
that's a little bit better place to be, you know, mid, mid-range. And the uh, world index is in a column of O's. It was up about a percentage point and a half to 90, uh, 49 and a half. It would not turn around to 54. So uh, the positive trend indicators, this is what's interesting, have held very fast. So during this whole sell-off period, they continue to hold up. Uh, now, the high-low indexes are getting beat up a little bit, uh, a lot of new lows, uh, more new lows and new highs last week, which I thought was interesting. So, look, September, you know, we warned you in August, September historically is one of the worst months. Uh, sometimes the first two weeks, April, but most of the time it's September. Uh, and we usually bottom in October. Remember that. When there's a really bad market, you usually bottom in, in, in October. But, uh, look, we reversed in the column of O's last week, and we're still in the column of O's, even with this rally. And uh, we're up at a pretty high level. So, look, I'm not saying sell the whole portfolio. What I'm saying is you want to maybe generate some cash or you want to shift gears and find stuff that's down. Don't be chasing stuff now, okay? Look, I I know of a couple biotechs that that our firm really likes, their top picks, that are down. You know, one has a cancer pillar, okay? So instead of a Keytruda where they're, you know, you take an hour to 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 put it into you, you can take a pill from melanoma and for blood cancer. Okay, and um, so you know, I've, I've got another one that has a great product for uh, for uh, oh, the type of cancer uh, I can't remember. And you know, it went from uh, it was one of those stocks that I talked about at the beginning of the year or at the end of the last year went from ten to sixty. Now it's twenty four. It's probably a pretty good buy. All right. So those are the type of names I'd be paying attention to. But most of the momentum's been negative uh, this week. It it almost turned positive, but we'll call it two weeks of negative momentum this week. So you know that's something you got to think about. Um, we did have some rallies. You know, one and a half, two percent rallies in the uh, uh, in the averages, and then they they gave it up in the second half of the year. I mean, second half of the day. So uh, you know. We don't like seeing that. So if the if the Fed, you know, meeting this week has anything to say, you know, look, they're not talking about raising rates anytime soon. And you know, everybody thinks that's a positive. That's a negative. That means the economy is not strong. Okay. So you know, we did have the uh, the mid caps rally back up. They didn't rally enough to to break break out into a shakeout pattern. Okay. Uh, you know, which we talked about last week. And and the small caps uh, were in a situation where, you know, they were starting to reverse back up. They're in a column of X's for now. So just, you know, uh, just pay a little bit more attention to that one. Uh, their seven-day return was negative 4.5%. So now the QQQ was the major hit, but it was also up the most. So, I mean, look, in, in, a, in a three-month period, it went from 192 to 300. And it's pulled back to 265. So, you got, you know, the bottom of the, you know, the resistance level would be 230. So if it broke that, I'd be really worried. But uh, that would be a, a very, very big oversold. So we'll find out. But um, look, I, I've been warning people about the Fang stocks and, and you know being very much overbought, etc. Now the S and P 500 is interesting because it broke out of a spread double top, uh, which dated back to, uh, you know, the first part of 2020. So it's just now breaking out and pulled back. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues uh, for any length of time. And not, you know, not sure in that, but I think that uh, um, you know you got to pay attention now. Look, the extra XLG, which is the large cap 50 stocks, took it on the cuff last week, and, and it was down like five six percent. But it was like the QQQ; it was up very very strongly. All right, so uh, they're going to hit the stocks that got hit uh, that went up the most. Um, and a lot of these stocks, maybe of that top 50, the top 10 are parabolic. So uh, I think, you know, that you want to kind of stay away from that, you know, XLG, QQQ for a while, in my, you know, Tim's humble opinion. Now, we're, we're down to 20 favorite sectors, okay? And we've got several uh, that ha- have turned around uh, and are below 30 now, so... Uh, the below 30 part, which are not favored, are oil service, drugs, and oil. So you got to wait for them to turn up, and uh, they haven't yet. But as far as uh, which stocks, to, I mean, which groups are favored, so you want, this is where you want to look. Uh, at, at 70 are 
are, I'm sorry, at 72 are restaurants and housing. At 70 are chemicals, they moved down one, machinery and gaming. At 64, auto, leisure, and steel. At 58 is building, business products, textiles, tele, uh, telecommunications, aerospace, and electronics. At 52 is precious metals, financials, and retail. At 48 is computers. At 40, I'm sorry, 42 is healthcare and software. Uh, and and uh, so you, you have some stocks, some groups that are under 30. But what we did was we talked about the most overbought and we moved our way to the most oversold. So the healthcare and software is where I'd probably be looking for my uh, my favorite picks, uh, you know, if, if, if I were you. <laughs> um, now, I, I didn't have – I noticed biotechs continued to get hit I, I uh, uh, up until they did a bunch of deals last week. All right, so – uh, there was a deal on Monday. There was a deal on Tuesday. There was a deal on Thursday. So, you know, uh, Merck took, uh, you know, uh, bought into uh, Cial Genetics Research. Cial Genetics was up 20 bucks. Immunetics was bought by uh, Gilead. And then there was two or three other small cap stocks you've never heard of that were taken over, which I think is kind of interesting. So, uh, you know, look, if, if Tim's right, uh, the, the, the places you, I think you really want to look at and the places that are down are the epicenter stocks. But look, the heroes of this whole situation are the doctors, the nurses, the healthcare companies, the biotech companies that are putting all the resources in to helping us. And some of them, like Gilead's not making any money on this deal. You know, they're covering their expenses. So I think that area is going to be hard to beat up if you're a politician coming going forward because they were our heroes. Remember, the police were our heroes for a really long time. Uh, after 9/11, until just recently, and now they're they're getting thrown under the bus, which I think is ridiculous. But uh, but you know, for 10 years they were golden, all right. And uh, so I think the healthcare group uh, may be a place to uh, to make a lot of money. And there's a lot of good, you know, there's a lot of biotechs that pay really good dividends, and there's a lot of healthcare stocks that pay really good dividends that are on the forefront of this crusade to get rid of this stupid virus. So um, anyway, internationally. Uh, you know, I, I noticed that some of the, the European companies uh, and, 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 and a lot of the European countries, with the exception of Denmark, which I mentioned last week, are, are having a hard time right now. And so they, they went right to their downtrend line and they fell off or they, or they just broke a double or triple bottom. Uh, so Europe seems to be getting hit a little bit. Uh, be, I did see some of the reversals in like the EEM, put, a, put an X on the screen. And some of the other, uh, you know, uh, what we call emerging market ETFs, uh, a one X does not mean anything yet. So they're not out of the blue by any uh, stretch of imagination. But they have the EM has outperformed uh, since I recommended it back in uh, October of last year. Now fixed income is tough because, um, it, it, you know, on an overbought status, it's you know convertible bonds are very overbought. So I don't think that's a place where you want to jump into. Um, I don't think you want to be, uh, you know, chasing uh, their performance. So, you know, look, they're direct, directly related to the stock market. So if the stock market is in a column of O's, you know, you want to wait on convertible bonds. Now, uh, as far as 10-year yield is, I don't think we have any, any breakout until we break 0.97. Uh, make it 9.8, okay? So almost 1%. We break one percent, then you know things are shifting gears a little bit. So, uh, but not till then. Uh, that's my humble opinion. Uh, beyond that, I, I couldn't get the relative strength names this week, so I apologize. But uh, oils again weak this uh, was weak this week up until Wednesday, and then it turned around a little bit. It'd be interesting if it goes positive. Gold still negative. Uh, so I said, you know, you know, I, I think you get a supply duct in, in oil and, and gold, like we talked earlier. We'll be right back with Insiders. Stay tuned to the Smart Investor Show. Just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show, and uh, I'm Tim Hayes, and uh, we are pre-recording this week, so uh, I'm going to be out of the office on Thursday. I was out of the office Thursday and Friday, so 
You know, we always talk about insiders, and uh, one of the things I want to remind you is two weeks ago, we had the largest insider selling period ever. You know, I mentioned that uh, Sasha Nadella, who's the CEO of Microsoft, sold $198 million worth of stock. Uh, Jeff Bezos sold a whole bunch. And so I, I just think I want you to keep that in mind, but they're still buying. Okay. So remember that also. Now I, I've been talking about REITs. Okay. And I said, when, when they were down, you want to buy the yield when it's, you know, up. Okay. So you want to buy yield when it's up, not when it's down, uh, which a lot of people are doing. So public storage, which is a, a REIT that, uh, I owned a long time ago. I, I haven't owned it for a while. Uh, but I noticed that uh, Tamara Gustafson, who's, uh, you know who the Gustafson family is, she's smart money. <laughs> she's a director of the company, and she bought $8 million worth of, uh, uh, of the shares. Now, she owns 16.9 million shares, which is interesting. And James Healy, who bought Corona Therapeutics, he bought $4 million uh, worth last week. Came back and uh, he, he bought again. <laughs> uh, and this time it was a little bit smaller. He bought about uh, $330,000 worth. Uh, but you like when they make multiple purchases, uh, if I do anyway. And um, then the SRS Investments uh, is, is still buying Avis in a, on a fairly regular basis. They bought it on September 11th and they bought it on September 10th. Uh, also, uh, and I don't. I'm not familiar with this company. It's called Franchise Group. But uh, the chief executive officer, Brian Kahn, bought $3.7 million worth of stock, which is not chump change, and, uh, you know, we'll leave it at that. Um, and I did notice that Christopher Alafi uh, bought $1.5 million worth of intercellular. Now, I mentioned him last week because he owned 6% of the company already, and this has gone into his private account. So he bought a ton last week, and now he's bought another $1.5 million. So it's private money. It's, the hedge fund already owns 5.98%. So Intercellular is a company that has a product for uh, bipolar uh, problems, and I think that's interesting. Now, here's another interesting thing. Um, Trevor Milton, who's been on TV a lot lately, uh, brought Nikola public in what is known as a SPAC. If you don't know what a SPAC is, it's a, it's a way to acquire a company by going public first, raising the money, and then buying the company when you're public. Uh, you know, Open Door is coming this way. Nikolai, DraftKings, a lot of companies have done this. Uh, Fisker, you know, the car company, is, is coming public this way. But anyway, they came public. They went to a rocket ship, and then they got killed. Uh, he just bought 41,000 shares to the tune of about $1.8 million, uh, which is interesting. Um, and, and also, uh, hold on here, I, I lost my spot. Uh, I did notice that uh, Control Impresa de Capital uh, has, has bought a uh, million dollars worth of PBF Energy, uh, which is a petroleum company based in Brazil. Uh, and Guest Jeans, uh, Carlos Alberino has bought, uh, by the way, he's CEO, he bought a million dollars worth of stock also. So, and a couple other names that uh, Randy Ernst, who's the chairman and CEO of American Asset Trust, you remember uh, there was a ton of this buying back in March. In the middle of the fiasco that we had, uh, these guys, there was like 25 insider buyers. So here's the CFO, a CEO and president buying another $640,000 worth. So uh, I mentioned that simply because I think it's important. And, then, you know, we did a secondary deal uh on a company called, um, uh, it was called Athenix, which is a drug manufacturer. It's kind of a generic drug manufacturer. And I noticed that there was a ton of buyers. Uh, a director named Jin Wu, uh, he bought 223000 uh, Manson Fock, a director, bought 180000 um, Then there was, uh, you know, uh, he actually bought uh, 300000 uh, He made two purchases. But uh, then there was uh, a director and the, the board chairman. You know, they all bought one hundred twelve thousand dollars worth, and so it was. It turned out to be about six or seven buyers. So I mentioned that uh, because I think it's obviously important. Or I, uh, I, I don't mention things like that. So anyway, um, you know, I think you've got to take a look at gold, and let, let's just review what we've talked about here. 
the trend on gold and gold stocks is, is consolidated in a mostly like nine, 1900 to 2000 range. It had a kind of a parabolic move. So it, I think it's pretty important. Uh, you know, look, we, we had all sorts of articles uh, on gold for a, a fairly long time. And, uh, you know, now they're, nobody's talking about it. So that may be good, you know. So uh, if, if we can hold that, I think 1800 is very important on a point and figure chart. I think uh, Bob Dickey thinks it's, uh, you know, somewhere right below 1900. Uh, I mean, uh, 1810. Um, so we, we just got to hold here, I see what I'm trying to say. And I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if there's something out there where there's an inflation announcement. And I don't mean, you know, but it's something that announces inflation where gold spikes through, okay? Uh, because it did break out to an all-time new high, and I think that's that's a very, very uh, problem. Now, uh, now, look, I, I also think that um, we've broken the uptrend line on, on the NASDAQ and the S&P. Um, this is just a short-term uptrend line. It's not getting back to way back when. Uh, so I, I think, you know, the corrective phase probably isn't over, that we'll have a rally, and then, you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll give it back a little bit. So, uh, you know, I th- you know, just have your ears up and uh, make sure you're, um, you know, you're, you're paying attention to your portfolio is what I guess I'm saying. And, uh, you know, don't, don't be rushing into things. You don't have to be the first one in. You know, be the 20th or 30th in, okay? Uh, but, look, if you've looked at the past couple of weeks, we've seen the indexes pull back after reaching some very short-term overbought conditions. And that's all the, you know, like kind of the speculative side of the market reaching some, we'll call it overly optimistic levels. They're now easing a little bit, okay? So let's just see. Uh, I think that the next rally will be very, very important. And it'll be something that we have to, you know, uh, we have to take a, a deep breath. You have to pull back a little bit. Look, there's a lot of kids right now, and I call them kids because I'm of that age, you know, but that have probably made 300% or 400% in the option market and suddenly think they're George Soros, all right? And, and I think, uh, you know, the market teaches George Soros and everybody else a lesson from time to time. So uh, a lot of these kids are, you know, sitting there thinking, oh, what's my next big thing and i i i don't know uh but look the combination of a market in which the, a number of stocks have made big moves in the upside with a spike in speculative option trading added to a volatility increasing in the markets not decreasing uh you know and it's already high anyway due to the pandemic and, and the changing public sentiment uh that that's now been generated uh you know basically on a daily basis uh this creates a, a much more volatile stock market environment where each day may look like either the start of a move <coughs> or the end of a move, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's going to be a confusing period. So the net effect of all of this is mixed action in the market, and it's going to easy back from an overbought condition, which, you know, where a lot of stronger stocks will be, will be in a corrective phase. The question is how long will the corrective phase be? And I think what I'd be looking at is stocks that are breaking out from uh, uh, basis at this point because, look, that's what you want. You know, you, you, don't, you take the risk out by looking at things that are in basis. You know, for example, Bob Dickey on, uh, on I think it was no, Wednesday, he talked about utilities. You know, we said utilities were overbought way back in, uh, you know, it, we were talking at the beginning of the year. And, you know, the utility index went from 970 all the way down to – to 600. All right, so you know it's it's still below 850. Uh, you know utilities tend to raise their dividends every year or every other year. So this is a this is a perfect example uh, of a market group that is back into a trend that is neutral and improving. You know it's making higher lows each time. Remember, you want to buy yield when it's up, and the particular instrument that you're buying is down, okay? So uh, utilities are down from their high. They, they were extended. We talked about it for several months, and now now they're correcting, all right? So, uh, look, you're in a year of uncertainty. There's a lot of concern out there. Uh, there's been obvious stock market winners and losers. 
But what may be largely ignored is the large number of stocks that are in trade ranges and have not been so dramatic in their movement as to attract much attention. Those are the places I think you want to be, especially if they start to break out, okay? People are not talking about these stocks, so we'll just leave it at that. So what do you do now? Look, I think this is a perfect time to buy some of the prime income list and the dividend growth uh, list in a period where, where you're buying the yields that are up, where the stocks are down, okay? Most of these are in trading ranges or at the bottom of the trading range. So, you know, you go to WHK, 1420 AM, you hit either the insights or the bulletin board or just, you know, hit, you know, contact him or even call me. <laughs> I pick up the phone all the time and, and, you know, call in for those. The other is our multi-cap list uh, that we've been, you know, I've been using most of these stocks for a long, long time and uh, I thought they're great. Uh, and also, you know, we had our virtual software and our virtual hardware. Uh, well, I, I'll just stay with the software. Our virtual software tour. And it's with corporate software and retail, what we call retail software. Those are things I'd be looking at. Um, you know, I didn't get to 5G today, and I apologize, but I wanted to talk about 5G because it may be being delayed a little bit. I noticed that Apple, you know, is not coming out with their new phone uh, on time. They've got some parts things. Uh, you know, Sienna missed the quarter, and, you know, Sienna is a big provider of 5G products. So uh, I just wanted to talk about that, and I'll, I'll try to get to that next week. Uh, you know, so I'll just leave it at that. In the meantime, um, I want you all to have a wonderful weekend. It's supposed to be nice, a little chilly. I walked dogs this morning, and I thought it was uh, way too chilly. <laughs> Even had to put a sweatshirt on. Uh, that's when you know getting into fall. Welcome to Iowa. Uh, in the meantime, remember, WHK1420. Local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. Get to contact me, email me if you like anything. Don't forget to go to Insights, Big Tech, stuff about China, uh, the digital resolution, uh, you know, cloud computing, all the rest. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show, and I'm Tim Hayes. Bye low. So hi. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. 7742 or visit his website rbcwmfa.com slash tim hayes that's all one word in the address bar rbcwfma.com slash tim hayes please join us again next saturday for the smart investor hour to hear more smart investing from tim hayes of rbc wealth management